Welcome in to Bears Weekly, a Chicago Bears Network production. Download the Chicago Bears official app. Brought to you by Verizon to follow the team on the go. Bears Weekly is brought to you by Advocate Healthcare, Bet Rivers, CDW, Connie's Pizza, and Miller Lite. Now it's time for Bears Weekly with the voice of the Bears, Jeff Joliet, on the new Bears Radio Network. So much to discuss. So much to digest as well. Your Bears for the time being. I keep saying that two weeks in a row with a number nine pick in round one. And options galore to ponder. Welcome in, everybody. I'm Jeff Joniak, along with my broadcast partner, Tom Thayer. Jim Miller from Sirius XM NFL Radio, moving the chains. Tucked away in his hotel room in Kansas City. What's going on in that place right now? Hey, there's a buzz here in the city. There's no doubt about that. They got the banners hanging up, and so everybody's fired up. They say over 300,000 people are going to be here, and already it's starting to to really load up. I don't know. I'm a traditionalist, right? Uh, I got used to uh, New York every year, but I tell you, it was the best thing the NFL did, Tommy, to send it out. Remember, Chicago did it. I think that was, what, 24? 14-ish. That was amazing. The turnout was great. Uh, Tommy, I know how you feel about uh, keeping things in the States and everything. That This has been a great thing to have the draft move around a little bit. Yeah, it has. But I think Chicago set the standard of what's expected of them if they are going to move the draft around to different cities. They kind of set a standard of the unknown after all those years in New York. <clears throat> so Chicago did a great job of representing themselves had the perfect location, and so everybody has uh, live up to the standard of Chicago more than New York. I rolled out the red carpet for Jim Miller out there. Uh, you do this every single year. You probably talked to a bunch of guys already today as they were warming up, uh, the guys invited to the draft. Uh, what did you learn today, Jim, from these guys, and what rumors are you hearing? Well, I, I do think, you know, it's always going to be active because when you look at the, the at least the GMs, you know, here Ryan Poles is a – uh, first year at GM, but he's already made moves. You know, these guys, these young general managers, they're not afraid to move up and down and, and get the guys they want. So here at three, you've got Monty Austin Fort, right? He's a, a young GM that'll be selected. And of course you got other guys like Dave Ziegler there for the Raiders where they're picking at seven. So you just, I think there's going to be movement. We've seen record setting, uh, record setting trades over the past couple of years. Now that the compensatory picks are tradable. So I think you're going to see a lot of movement. I really do. They've been really aggressive the last few years. Tom, do you want the bears to stay at nine or do you, do you care if they move down a little bit? Do you care if they're in a range, if they're going to get an extra, maybe a higher second round pick potentially, or even a later pick in the middle rounds? You know, um, I'm looking for a great player, not necessarily more picks. So if they're going to go down and if they have a chance to get a five-star a draft choice, but they're going, you know, you know, this guy, you know, he's he's a three-star draft choice, but he's coachable. No, I, I want to go for the guy that is dependable. He's got a reputation that he has high expectations for himself and the team has equally high expectations. He's a guy that can come in here and kind of be that plug-and-play player that you can have uh, be a contributor immediately at some of the weakest spots you have. But, my, you know, with this draft, the more I read about the players, you know, you think of cornerbacks. There's a lot of cornerbacks in this draft that sometimes you don't see that position come up as much with, you know, these types of guys with size and speed 
coverage ability and stuff. And I know it kind of gets off, you know, the the path a little bit, but if the Bears have a guy there that can come in here and, you know, be a starter, if they feel that he can be a starter immediately, obviously he still has to prove himself. But, you know, and then if the guy's not there that you want and you have to make that trade, go ahead. But if there's a five-star guy there, go and get him. Jim, how many five-star guys, in your opinion, are there? And Tom used that as a, as a guide. But in terms of great players, guys that you can close your eyes and think, hey, this guy has a Hall of Fame potential, or at a minimum he's going to be a perennial pro bowler in the top ten. What are we talking about on this draft? Because I'm hearing different vibes. I hear from some scouts say, you know what, this is not a great star draft. There's players in every draft, no question about it. And whatever the fit is for a player is most important anyway. And then secondarily – you hear from a lot of these GMs saying, yeah, it's a great draft. We got there's, you know, it's based maybe on the needs that they have, or they see yeah. a particular, what, what's your opinion after being a veteran of watching all of these over the years? I mean, even Gil Brandt will, will tell you the, the great Gil Brandt just going in, you know, you're no, you're normally only going to have like 18 to 20, maybe 25 blue chip players, you know, blue chip players are the the guys that you think have the ability to, to go to the the Hall of Fame and wear a gold jacket. In this draft, they say there's only about 15, you know, like the of the say the B. John Robinsons or the uh the Paris Johnson Juniors or say like a Will Anderson. So really in this draft it's probably the the top 15 and then the the meat of the draft is going to be really that the second and third round guys that start to get pushed down. And, uh, you know, are going to be counted on uh, to be, but they wouldn't project as first round picks. I think anybody will tell. I mean, even look at uh, the the Ohio State wide receiver, uh, Jackson Smith and, and Jigba. I mean, that guy didn't even play last year. He didn't even play. He had a hamstring and everybody's just in love with this guy. And that's why I think guys like Zay Flowers are gaining a lot of steam from Boston College. You know, there's uh, to me a couple of receivers that, you know, I, I personally like more than Jackson Smith and Jigba, who was his great year was really with the, the two other receivers that were around him. One of Harrison Jr. Uh, this year. And then, of course, you know, when you got Garrett Wilson last year, he got a lot of looks and a lot of a lot of receptions just because of who he was surrounded by. All right. We've got help, of course, on this show, as always, uh, a lot of help. In matter of fact, with producer Charlie Bevins. Nick Maxala, as well as our Bears Radio Network uh, producer, Eric Ostrowski. Dan Brilli, Jordan Treadup helping us out as well. We appreciate you listening. Coming up in our next segment, we'll be joined by Assistant General Manager Ian Cunningham of the Bears. Had a conversation with him yesterday. You'll hear that. It was a taped interview uh, earlier this week as we look at the Bears, the number nine pick, and then not until round two, number 53 for the time being. So 43 players will be selected in between. Aaron Rodgers rolled out today, fellas. Clean shaven and the whole bit. Now and he's he's out of our hair, Tom. In fact, you have none left, and you got a nice look to you right now. You looked. Did you just get a clean shave up on the noggin? I do. I I do all hair care myself. That thing. Is I, I have zero right hair budget in my life, and I did. And Aaron um, Rodgers I, made you pull the rest of it out on his own in the twenty nine games against the Bears. You, you know, I don't know what to think about that whole deal. Because, you know, you go to a really a nice NBA or an NFL city in Green Bay, you have all the conveniences handed to you, you know, and everything in terms of traffic, location, stadium, support, money that you're being handed, the time that you spend in that organization. And then you wish yourself out of there 
And now you go to a really complicated scenario uh, in terms of where their practice facility is, where their games are, the whole unknown of, you know, going in and seeing this locker room. You know, and then the reason they go and sign that ex-Green Bay quarterback is because they don't need Aaron Rodgers to do anything in the offseason. They can have this quarterback that has been with Hackett in Green Bay and teach the rest of the players this system. So, uh, you know, I'll, I'll wait and see what happens. Jim, you can hear the you can hear the anger bubbling up in yeah. uh, the former Chicago Bear. Too many too many confrontations with the green and yellow up there. Hey, he already mentioned. Uh, you know, I don't know if you saw the uh, the press conference, Tom. He's going to be at work tomorrow. He's going to work for for the New York Jets. So I thought yeah. he handled it as about as perfect as you could handle it. And even when he was asked the question about Zach Wilson, who said he was going to give a veteran quarterback hell coming in there, and said. Aaron said, well, I'll make his life heaven off the field and maybe I can build his confidence back up. Because, you know, just I thought Aaron was on point, did exactly what he needed to do as a veteran quarterback, what Jets fans uh, can expect. And, you know, obviously giving kudos to Joe Namath in the, in the jersey. He wasn't going to go down that that path. He had a nice touch. And I thought, you know, he's going to be reinvigorated. I think Aaron Rodgers is going to go on a revenge tour, quite frankly, and he's going to play his best football. They better get a couple offensive tackles because as as much as he can help the offensive line, they still need some guys to stand in front of them and, uh, you know, see what happens. Hey, now, you know, we're looking, we're looking at what the Packers have, and now they got our attention again. They got up to the 13th pick. They're going to have three picks before we the Bears make their next second-round pick if they stay – uh, first, second round pick if they stay in at number nine and don't move down at all. So it'll be interesting what, what they're going to do, what their plan is. We'll talk about that. The division we will look at the pack. We'll look at the Vikings. We'll look at the Lions as well. First, we're going to take a break. Coming up, Ian Cunning. You got a thought? I have a question. For, I, I'll have it later in the show because I have a question for Jim that has really been ask, bugging me. Ask. and I need, I need to get to the bottom of it. Ask him right now. Mm-hmm. All right, Jim. The uh, Stetson, the quarterback from Georgia. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm reading all these unfavorable opinions of him and his high opinion of himself in the fact that if you do go and draft him in day two or th- day three, he could be a distraction to a team. He's been the ultimate of success. He's been to the top. Is he a guy that could come to the Bears and fit in that this type of program and be that backup to Justin because he is creative, he is clever, He's he's accomplished on his feet, and he's played in a big program. Yeah, I, I think he's a good quarterback. I know the incident off the field is probably more embarrassing for him than anything. You know, what happened after their uh, their bowl game, and he got arrested for uh, the public drunkenness, and so he's got to answer to that. Uh, but, you know, the only difference between him and Bryce Young, everybody's talking about the size of, of quarterbacks. Go look at his credentials. I mean, this guy's right. a two-time national champ. Uh, he's been MVP of both of those games. He's got all kinds of production. He's the son of a coach. A lot of guys that I talk to think he's like a Drew Brees type of player. And go look at the tape because it backs it up with how he's played. And he's had to work hard to to earn everything he's got. So I think he's going to be a solid pick. It's just how well he's handled himself and, you know, answered those off-the-field questions. But he will get drafted by somebody because his production is hard to deny. Yeah, if you had an opportunity down the line to bring him into your team, yeah, I, I just really I, I like what he can offer in a in a backup role initially. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I think he's going to be a solid guy. I really do. 
under Todd Monken's play-action offense, maybe he lands in uh, Baltimore with a new yeah, offensive coordinator point. of the Ravens. Uh, Fromm and Fields ahead of him when he came to Georgia. Uh, but that red flag there for reasons other, maybe than just that one episode off the field as well uh, from different reports. All right, we're going to get to Ian Cunningham coming up out of the break. This is Bears Weekly with my guys, Tom Thayer and Jim Miller here on Chicago's ESPN 1000. You are listening. This is Bears Weekly with the voice of the Bears for 23 years, Jeff Joniak on the Bears Radio Network. Entering his 16th NFL season and second overall with the Chicago Bears, Assistant General Manager Ian Cunningham back with us here on Bears Weekly on ESPN 1000 and the Chicago Bears Radio Network getting ready for an important draft with a staff that has been grinding for months. Thank you so much for taking the time because every second is valuable. See, we have this image (laughs) that you guys are living in that draft room with that living, breathing board that you just analyze and analyze and analyze and trying to figure out what's going to happen. And like, there's no spare moment to even take a breath. Um, I know I'm way off on that, but probably not that far not, off. Not, not really. I just want to say thank you for getting us out of the draft. <laughs> we were able to do this, so thank you. Yeah. You mentioned 16 years. That's crazy. Going into right. Hey, if yeah, it's I'm more than a forward. decade, it's a career, buddy. Right. So, but you've had some great experiences, though. Look at where you've been. I mean, my goodness, learning from the very best. Right. Always impressed what Baltimore did with Ozzie Newsome, Eric DaCosta, and how that draft board, how they let the draft just come to them and – be aggressive, but be smart. And then Philadelphia with Howie, Howie Roseman, the general manager there and that staff. I mean, what what have you learned and taken into this now yeah. in your second draft here with the Bears? Well, I guess what I've learned, from, at least coming from Baltimore, really is just evaluation and the consistency in terms of you know what Ozzy showed. And, you know, the cool thing about being in Baltimore is you had – I was young, and I was like a lot of these personal assistants upstairs in terms of just doing a lot of the grunt work and running around, but I got a chance to see Hall of Famers every single day, you know, and I got to see Ed Reed, Ray Lewis, Terrell Suggs, Marshall Yonda, um, and learn what a pro looks like and what a Hall of Famer looks like and how they carry themselves and what kind of teammate they are. So really that was just an invaluable experience for me, learning from them and then being able to go to Philly and and – Learn from Howie and uh, his ability to, you know, think outside the box and um, be innovative with player development and, and analytics and and salary cap. Like he has this unique way uh, and this feel of knowing how to euro step when the <laughs> when the rest of the league is kind of grasping at trends, you know. And he's just he's really good at that. So couldn't be more appreciative of both of those experiences. That's what really got me here and. Uh, just trying to, you know, make this place better than where I found it. You know, I, I've had these conversations with uh, Ryan Poles, the Bears general manager, and you're a good friend, and, and you guys working side-by-side side here. But, you, you know, you mentioned all that, and I can close my eyes. And, and we probably have talked about this. You can close your eyes and see what the Baltimore Raven looks like. You can see what the Philadelphia Eagle looks like. Are we going to get close here soon to closing your eyes and seeing what a Chicago Bear looks like? That's Not just for the immediate future, but for the long term. That's the plan. Yeah. Right? And the cool thing is when you have um, Ryan and Flus, two guys with uh, you know, similar visions and what they want in terms of a football team and football player, and it just trickles down to us and the coaching staff, right? So I think one of the biggest things in this sport, and I may have said this before, but 
is when you can go out on the road as a scout and your fellow scouts tell you, hey, I know what a bear looks like. That's what you want, right? And that means that you, you're building something the right way. That means there's a consistency. That means you have a type and uh, you have a vision. So have you already heard this back from some of those scouts? I need to get back on the road. Yeah. That's the thing. That's yeah, the thing. yeah. <laughs> I get back on the road. I have one trip this year. Um, hopefully next year I'll take a couple more trips. So that's what I look forward to. So what does a bear, uh, a 2023 version, look like in your mind's eye? Yeah, a guy that fits the hits principles, what Flutes talks about all the time, all of our coaches talk about all the time, just somebody that's passionate, who loves the game, uh, who plays the game hard, um, who's a really good teammate, a selfless teammate. Uh, yeah, We just need as many good, impactful players on this roster as we can get. Given more time with the coaches and what Flutes wants as well, overall, the overriding uh, thought process of what they want what they want to put on the field – can you guys get a better feel, position group by position group, body type, skill set, traits, that it's kind of squeezing the grapes a little bit more and refining it to get that juice? No doubt. No doubt. And I think, you know, uh, Flus and Ryan had a really good idea when we first got here. Uh, we made sure to have our coaches and coordinators present to our scouts in terms of what they were looking for for each position group. You know, they put up measurables, they put up players that they like that fit certain roles and certain positions. And we had, you know, felt like a couple hour conversation with some of our coaches. And then our scouts were able to get a feel for what the vision was for our team and our organization, what we wanted it to look like. And then now having a year with those coaches, now you know how they, they coach and their style and what they like, and what they don't like. And um, really, you know, our position on personnel is really a servant position. So we're trying to give these guys the players in which they like and fit their scheme. So when you have conversations with the coaches, you feel better and better about, all right, I know what this coach likes or I know what this coach likes. And um, really it's just going out there and getting those players that can help, you know, fit our scheme and help be a bear. Is there a number in mind about how many bears are on that board, actually? You're not getting them all. You're going to get 10 of them barring any trades, but – undrafted free agents included uh, down the road, but how many? Yeah, I would say, you know, right now we try to keep it around 150, um, but that's just, you also have to take into account there's guys that we still have draftable grades on that don't match that 150 yeah. either. So there's several players there that we kind of have to wait till day three. I think we have six picks on day three and and um, see how that shapes out. But yeah, there's uh, quite a few players on the board right now. This is a Big draft. We all know that was going to be a big draft. Uh, after you've had time now to digest it and see how this board could work, are you hoping to get more than what you have? Will you be, because Ryan was, and you guys were very uh, mobile last year. You made three draft trades, I think, in the third day. And there's a lot of young GMs now in the league right. that you don't really know exactly how they're going to operate. Right. Could that Could that number go up? It could. Yeah. There's a possibility. I think that's what you got to remain flexible. You know, us being college guys at heart, you always want more picks, more picks. Yeah. Uh, and also what we learned last year is it seems like you, you touched on it in day three in terms of the trades in which we made and the picks in which we were able to get. But it felt like, you know, that didn't really open up until we made that first trade. Then it's like teams earmark you and say, oh, they're willing to do a deal. So um, we'll see what happens this draft. We're excited for it, and, yeah, we'll see what happens. Ryan hasn't been shy about, you know, line of scrimmage is something that's clearly in everybody's uh, mind's eye here about this draft moving forward. Uh, do you feel good about what's out there? 
We do. Yeah. We do. I feel, we feel good about the offense and defensive line, respectfully. But, you know, I, I'll say this, Jeff, like we, we feel good about the other positions too. We're just trying to get as many impactful um, players, regardless of positions, to come in here to help us win now and into the future. All right, so that's music to my ears yeah. because I think a lot of fans think, oh, they're only going one way, right? But, man, you can never have enough projectable great players. No regardless of position. So I know a lot of people have become desensitized to that, say, ah, they're, they're just drafting. Everybody's drafting for need. Uh, but if you look around the league over time, the best organizations, general managers, they don't pass on a great player. Do, do you subscribe to that same thing? Definitely. Definitely subscribe to that. And, you know, we said we talked about this earlier, too. I think the need piece kind of gets ironed out throughout the process. But yeah. ultimately, you try to stack the board you look at the board horizontally with offense and defense, but then there's a piece where you try to ha- uh, stack it um, vertically as well. And uh, you never want to pass on a great player, like you said. I thought it was interesting in your news conference uh, pre-draft here with the media, somebody mentioned, you know, how many first-round grades you got, but you don't grade by round, you grade by value. By value. And value and role and fit. It, can you go a little deeper into that? Because Ryan, that's how you guys approach free agency right. and, and uh, Thank goodness, because you could really blow out the budget if you didn't do it that way. No question. I think when you look at it, um, it's really what the role, the fit, and the vision is for the player in which we have here. And then you kind of put them into certain buckets at certain grade levels, right? Um, but that role, vision, fit, it's still you had still have that role, vision, fit at lower grade levels as well. Um, you're just trying to you know, grade for the talent level. And then oftentimes it matches the round. Um but in terms of we're just trying to get as many good players at good you know grade levels as we can. What is this group you have? And you have a, an unbelievable staff, and we got to give some shout-outs to some of these guys. Certainly Trey Cozio and Jeff King, your co-player personnel guys. Breck Ackley, love them. Yep. Uh, assistant Director of College Scouting. you got the area scouts, the senior national scouts, Francis St. Paul, Sam Somerville. You got Jeff Shiver, the old vet, the executive uh, of Scout. Tom Bradway in the Northeast, Ryan Cavanaugh, Midwest, Reese Hicks, West Coast, Brandon Rehor in the Southeast, and Drew Rossina. Is that how you say his name? Yes. Uh, Combine. And then the scouting assistants, Keith Earl Jr., Jake Ponvar, and Ryan Weiss. Ashton Washington, who's amazing. Yep. So there's a lot here and a lot more. Is this group a group that passionately stands on table for their guy? Yeah. How does it work here? You know, there's. I feel like these guys. There's different styles to that. I feel like coming in. You know, you just touched on it. Being in the league 16 years. When I first got in the league, I felt there was a lot more of standing on the table and and pounding the table for certain players. I think you know, at least with our staff, there's a little bit more uh, finesse and a little bit more of a respectful way of showing it. But you get that sense of conviction, and you hear that. You know, we ask those guys to be convicted in the draft room, and our guys do that. I think they're. They're great. You touched on on Trey and Breck. I feel like you know this is their first year in their roles, and I thought they you know knocked it out of the park uh, just in terms of their work with one another and how they flow together. And, and um, our scouts, you know, we asked a lot of them. We changed our grading scale that here. You know, we kind of used the grading scale last year, but Ryan and I tweaked it a little bit during the process. But we changed the grading scale this year. Um, we asked them to kind of stretch. We asked them to be a little bit uncomfortable, find that comfort in being uncomfortable. And I thought they did a really good job this year in, in asking, you know, answering some of the questions in which we had and um, doing the certain things in which we asked them to do. But 
um, you know, those guys, I couldn't think those guys enough. There's a lot of conviction just done in a little bit different ways, a little bit new age in, in their approach. Is there a sweet spot on this draft board? I think so. I think, you know, the value, I'd say value uh, is going to be really cool to see day two, what that looks like. Um, personally, I think there's, you know, really good value on day two. And then I'm anxious to see what it looks like on day three. I think that's going to be really fun. Uh, Ryan, and I have already talked about, uh, you know, potentially sleeping over that night and just like <laughs> looking at the, looking at the draft board and kind of coming up with some ideas. See, now that's the true scouting. Yeah. yeah. Because at, see folks, He's sitting across from me right now with a ear-to-ear grin because that's where the scout really lives. Yeah, there's no doubt about yeah. it. And our scouts do a great job with that, and we'll have you know those guys are going to have their chance to be convicted about those players. That once we see where the uh, chips fall, you know, day three come in here and we'll talk to our scouts and see who's convicted about the players that are left on the board. Um, Ryan and I will, you know, listen and earmark some of those guys and just like what we did last year. And that's how we got some of the guys that, you know, Braxton and Dom, you know, there's guys that stood on the table per se for those guys last year. All right. So everybody looks at now the numbers, uh, combine, right? Workouts, pro days, and they're really driven by that. Fans are. Fans get, you know, but in the end, you got to trust your eyes. And what your eyes tell you, what the tape tells you, what you see firsthand does that rule the day for this organization, or are there parameters for those measurables that have to be met for you guys to draft a player with help from now analytics also proving over time with a database of information that, you know, that player X may not have all these, but he can still work here, or he can't? Yeah, that's a really good question. I think we do a really good job of uh, marrying the two. Um, ultimately, it starts with the evaluation, and then you blend in analytics. Um, really, analytics for us helps us confirm what our eyes see, or helps us ask maybe questions that we didn't see. You know, um, the height, weight, speed from the combine. I feel like some of it's good just to have that number, but nowadays we get um, information in real time. We get GPS data, so we can actually see how fast a player is in the game with pads on. That, you know, personally, I think it's a little bit more valuable than, you know, how fast he runs with shorts and shirts, you know. Um, and Krithi does a really good job of, um, you know, setting the table for us and, and providing context for us in certain areas uh, to help us make some informed decisions with analytics and with scouting. How many times have you fallen in love during this draft process? And are you still falling in love uh, even this late in the week? I love the process. I try not to fall in love with players. Right? Okay. Because that's, that's I mean, it's impossible, right, though. Exactly. You really like players, but at the same time, you've got to – that's the tough part about this. Like, there's players that you really, really like. There's players that, you know, we have this thing called a gut box that Ryan and I will put a guy on. I guess that's what you would call love. But um, <laughs> those are the guys that you just have a feeling on. Like, all right, I've got a really good feeling based off of everything that I know about this player. I'm going to put a gut box on. All right, so we got a pretty full gut box? I feel like we do, and it's spread out throughout the yeah, draft good. board. All right, your time is valuable. We appreciate it very much. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you, man. Ian Cunningham, part of the Bears brass, getting ready for the all-important 2023 draft starting on Thursday night. We'll take a break. We'll be rejoining Tom Thayer and Jim Miller here on Bears Weekly on ESPN Chicago and the Chicago Bears Radio Network. This is Bears Weekly with the voice of the Bears for 23 years, Jeff Joniak on the Bears Radio Network.
back, everybody. Jeff Joniak top there. Jim Miller as we break down the upcoming draft tomorrow night, round one. Just heard from Ian Cunningham, a long interview, kind enough to uh, spend that kind of time with us. Uh, takeaways, fellas, to start with you, Tommy, and head over to Jimmy. What do you, what'd you take away? You know, I like when he said, I don't fall in love with a player. I fall, I'm into the process. And I think that says a lot about making sure that you have peripheral vision when you're looking at all these guys. You can't become so enamored with a highlight tape that you imagine this guy being a, a, a pancake blocker every single play or making one-handed catches every opportunity, that you have to follow the knees of your team and the process of the types of players that are being offered to you and then try to come up with the best grading system there. So I like a lot of what he was able to let the fans know about their evaluation process when you are putting your war room together. I like how he talked about the players that they've identified, right? 68 players. So now the key is moving up and down in each round with where you have the players valued, you know, to order to, to get your quote unquote guys. So they, you know, 68 players is what? Seven rounds essentially, right? Pick no, no, no. He said he had 150 players uh, the day before the news conference, six to eight guys that they could take with that, that, that first round pick. Yeah, and typically, so let's say, because I've heard teams that do it that way too, if they've got 150 players. But now he said about fitting the team and fit yeah. the scheme. So imagine a team like the Colts, where Matt Eberflus just came from. They run the same style of defense. They're going to target those same type of guys. So now it's about moving up ahead that you know to position yourself to take the player that you know you want to, say, beat the Colts uh, to the punch. And so I think that's the key, and that's the the beauty of the draft. And of course, you want it to fall to you, but you got to be really selective about where you need to position yourself and your values to get the guy you want. And I'd say it's ten guys per round that you're identifying, or you're moving up or down to to get really one of those ten guys that you think are really going to be crucial players in in your team. We're certainly fixated on round one, but draft wide, uh, I'm very encouraged by what they're going. They, they they proved that already last year when they just had to hit the ground running, install a tweaked draft system that they carried over with the same scouts and everything, now added different personnel. And so I'm excited what they're going to see. Uh, but most of the conversation with Ian at the podium on uh, Wednesday or Tuesday, I guess it was Tuesday up at Hallisaw, was the talk about Jalen Carter. and he moved definitely around that topic, uh, gave his opinions. But to me, it's unfair to ask direct questions about players with these guys during this process. Uh, It's, it's a challenging, these are challenging questions. Uh, So as you look at this, Jim, and what you've heard, and uh, do you know at all in your gut and your heart of hearts, if teams have completely taken them out of the mix in the top 10, or is this guy going to be a top five pick? And, it's out of the conversation. Yeah, I think teams, if you looked over the past week, Jalen Carter was probably the most visited player, and the Bears were one of them, right? Because they're going back, everybody's circling back and saying, all right, let's get the answers that we need from this young man that maybe we haven't gotten the answers previously. And I do know, like Brad Holmes, uh, they've the Lions visited uh, Jalen Carter, and I think genuinely they I think they feel a lot better they've softened their stance on a great player let's face it he's a blue chip player you know and uh you know so they're coming back around again now with Drew Rosenhaus stepping in there Drew has guarantees that he's not falling out of the top 10 uh, obviously that says Philadelphia has insured him if he falls to us we're taking him 
And so I think when he said that, everybody then had did their due diligence, circled back. I mentioned last week about I know a top 10 team that after that pro day, they they didn't want to see his face again. But even that team went back and revisited with Jalen Carter to get the answers that they want. So, yeah, I think he's well, I think we can all guarantee he's going in the top 10, but he's probably going in the top five. Tom, outside of O-line or D-line, which we know the Bears do want to look at, they've not been shy about that. Obviously, it's a neat area as well. Uh, outside of those positions, what else intrigues you in the top 10 if they stay at nine at a position or a player that you really say, okay, hey, if they go this route, I'm okay with it. I'm not going to – let's go. Let's go with them. You know, I, I'm interested in the cornerback position. I think there's a couple players – that can come into the Bears system and upgrade that position significantly. And then it kind of, you know, it puts you in a different position with Jalen Johnson because there's a lot of talk with Jalen Johnson that comes out of his mouth talking about negotiating and his next contract and all that. I think if you could, you know, have the kid from Illinois, Witherspoon, is that his name? And then you got Gonzalez who's got size – uh, in terms of what he can offer a team. Cornerback, to me, is probably one of the more difficult positions to go out there and find that whatever grading system. Yeah, I'm just using five-star athletes, more of a college reference than I am a pro reference. But if you can get that cornerback to come in and be an immediate contributor um, on this team at that difficult position within this division with the uh, – you know, the transition of quarterback up in Green Bay and the different receivers that you know, Justin Jefferson and stuff, where they just picked up their fifth-year option and the young kid that just got suspended in Detroit. I, I just think cornerback, cornerback is a really position that I always have a lot of interest in. Jim, he, he talked about it. Ian did. Uh, the Bears look at it. Hey, great players are great players, and you don't want to pass great players. So, uh, again, the conversation about, uh, potential of a, a guy like Bajan Robinson falling down and yeah, would you I ignore think he, him or would you take him? Yeah, I think he's a tough player to to pass up on. Yeah. You know, here's another guy. I mean, he's he is. He's a lot like Saquon Barkley. Um, Benny think he's the, the best running back in this draft. He's got all kind. you know, he's going to play all three downs. He does not have to come off the field. And uh, again, if you're if you're a team that now – you look at the Bears, they've got a young uh, quarterback still in Justin Fields who's learning his way. You're going to have a good support system with the running game. That's what the Bears, their plan was last year. So I definitely think he's a consideration at nine. We look at Bijan. He's too good of a player. He's a blue chipper. Yep, he sure is. Difference maker. We're going to take another break here on Bears Weekly with Jim Miller, Tom Thayer, Jeff Joniak here on ESPN 1000 and the Chicago Bears Radio Network. You are tuned in. This is Bears Weekly with the voice of the Bears for 23 years, Jeff Joniak, on the Bears Radio Network. Here with a couple of former NFL draft picks, Tom Thayer and Jim Meadow with a night before the NFL draft and what emotions must be like. Welcome back to Bears Weekly here on ESPN Radio Chicago and the Bears Radio Network. Jim Miller, what do you remember about the night before your draft? I, I knew I wasn't going to be picked the first day, Jeff. So I did. I, I got a good night's sleep. I knew I was going to be more of a, you know, a second day. And I did get some calls, you know, starting in the in the third and fourth round. And, you know, even that's interesting in how teams 
do their war rooms. Cause I remember we talked to Jed fish today. Jed fish, obviously is the university of Arizona's head coach. And he spent time with Baltimore and, and uh, John Schneider up there from the Seattle. So he's been in and out of those rooms. And it's funny because when teams called me, they always had another player that they were choosing from. So they had two players on the line. Unfortunately for me, the team always took the other player. And normally <laughs> that comes down to your position coaches because Jed Fish said, Jim, that's exactly how it worked. I'd get called in and they'd said, hey, you know, we want to hear what you have to say about this player. And for me, like uh, Atlanta called me in the fourth round. They ended up taking quarterback Perry Klein from CW Post, who played two years in the league. You know, I thought I, I, and I had a great workout with June Jones. I was like, oh, man, I'm going to be a Falcon. And sure enough, they call me. And then they take Perry Klein. And then uh, the Steelers call me the next round. And it was between and my, me in a safety, Myron Bell. Myron Bell was a teammate of mine with the Steelers. And so they call the coaches in and, hey, what, you know, what's going to be? And they said, Jim, unfortunately, we're, we're going to go with your your teammate, Myron Bell. And I was like, heartbroken. He's like, but if you're there next round, we'll pick you the next round. I'm like, geez, I, I can't win for losing here. But it's something is that, that those conversations are going on with the GM, with the coach. What are our needs? They had two players on the line. And it just, you know, it's just those type of split decisions where they get the last bits of information, where they ultimately make their decision. And that really can change fortunes for a lot of players. Luckily, around later, I ended up with the Steelers, and they didn't have another player on the line then. So I knew I was going to get picked by the <laughs> Pittsburgh Steelers. Tom, night before the draft, what do you recall? Jeff, I remember flying back from Washington, D.C., where I signed a contract in the USFL, went to South Bend, Indiana, cleaned out my dorm room, Drove all my stuff to Joliet so I could make it to practice. Our draft was on a Tuesday. And once the draft started, they drafted until the end of the draft. There was no TV coverage. And so George Allen said, do me a favor. Don't say anything about signing the USFL. We would like to make a little bit of uproar in the NFL draft. And so as I was signing with the Chicago Blitz on my way to practice, they were I was got drafted in the fourth round by the Bears that uh, just, you know, created a just a bunch of, you know, it, it actually worked out perfectly for me. But, you know, I was kind of young and naive and I was being influenced by George Allen and Bruce Allen because they were running the Chicago Blitz. And, uh, you know, <laughs> I was cleaning out my dorm room when I should have been getting ready for the draft. Uh, you're a rule breaker. <laughs> opportunity taker yeah <laughs> i like that opportunity knocks tomorrow for 31 nfl players for the first round let's look at the division here quickly fellas uh jim packers now what do you how do you what do you what do you call this because they do have a lot of talent left behind uh they're going to try their hand at jordan love we're not going to assume that jordan love can't play he's been there for three years we'll find out a lot about uh, Matt LaFleur and that coaching staff and what they've done behind the scenes with him. But they have the 13th pick. They're going to draft three times before the Bears even pick again in the second round as it stands right now. Word is they'd like to trade down and do what the Bears are trying to do and accumulate draft assets now and in the future. How do you describe right now, if you had one word to describe what the Packers are right now, what would it be? Yeah, I think, that you know, let's be honest. They're, they, they're not going to say it's a rebuild, but it's a rebuild. Uh, let's be honest. So I personally, you know, they can say that they're going to trade down. They just picked up a whole bunch of stuff to trade up. Okay. So let's say if the, if the run on tackles, everybody, 
you know, now Paris Johnson, it was out there today that he could be taking as high as three to the Arizona Cardinals. Let's say he doesn't. I don't see the Cardinals doing that. Their, their roster's worse than Green Bay's. Arizona should actually want to trade down. But if the run on tackle starts at nine, what's to say the, the Packers may want to trade ahead of the Chicago Bears and get an opportunity there to, to maybe get their best tackle? Because they need they have offensive line issues, and they have certainly they need a tight end as well. That's too high to take a tight end. So personally, I think they're going to be in the tackle business and no line business as well early for Green Bay. Tom, as you look at Detroit, dangerous team at the moment. They're building. They got momentum, and they got two prime picks. They could wind up with two very, very good players right out of the gate. Uh, I, I would imagine they're looking to continue the theme. Uh, you can make fun of the bite their kneecaps thing, but uh, there's, there's players in there, including Jalen Carter and even Witherspoon, who's a tone-setting corner with an angry attitude and a great feistiness to him that could easily be Detroit Lions. Yeah, you know, I mean, they do have multiple picks. They got assets coming. Um, do they have any concern for their quarterback position of the future? That's what I, you know, kind of think. What are they? What are they doing? Are they? Are they? Do they feel with Jared Goff that they're set for the future? I don't think they are. He's the type of guy that you know is kind of at the fragile state of his career. However, uh, yeah, defense is probably the side of the ball that they want to focus on. Their offensive line seems pretty solid. Uh, you know, they have, um, you know, I, I don't know if this interruption with the guys that are lost to the gambling deal, if that changes the position they need to look at. Do they need receiver help immediately? Um, so, you know, I, I just think Detroit, if they get Jalen Carter, I think that's where they would want to go. Crowd noise at home, yucks. Mm-hmm. That, with already some really good players from a year ago. All right, we're going to take another break here on Bears Weekly. Coming on back, I'm going to put these guys on the spot. Uh, 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 what do you want, what do you need, and what would you like to have? Okay, fellas, when we come back. Yep. There we go. This is Bears Weekly on ESPN 1000 and the Bears Radio Network. You are listening to Bears This is Bears Weekly with the voice of the Bears for 23 years, Jeff Joniak on the Bears Radio Network. How about it? It's the NFL Draft Round 1. We will be at Soldier Field on the Waddle and Sylvie show. And that'll be from 2 to 6. Myself and Tom Thayer joining the uh, two legends. And we will break, we'll get our first true experience of a four-hour talk show with these guys. Tommy, are you ready for that? Oh, I can't wait. I can't wait. <laughs> It'll be exciting. Fun. It'll yes, be fun. Well. And then uh, Tom will host uh, and I will host the uh, Bears Draft Party. From 6 to 10, it's sold out at Soldier Field. I believe it's the first time ever. So fans are genuinely jacked up. A lot of activities at Soldier Field tomorrow. And then uh, the rest of the weekend, you know, we'll be filling in the blanks as well. We'll be on uh, Fox on Sunday night, Tom, at 10 o'clock with Luke and Ellis on the post-draft show. And then, Jim, you are situated in Kansas City where you are right now, and you will be, you'll be talking with all these guys. You're going to learn more about everybody than we will. Yeah, it's, it really is a, a fun time. And just to see the the excitement, you know, it's been a goal, a dream for a lot of these players to, much like it was for Tom and myself, to to achieve that goal to play in the, in the NFL. And so it's the best of the best. And so it's, it's it's an accomplishment, but it's just the start. You know, it starts all over, much like you, how, how you had to, you know, work your way through, through college. It starts all over again. There's nothing given to you. And these players are going to go to work, and hopefully they'll be able to achieve all the goals that they want to achieve in the NFL. 
All right, we touched on the division with the Packers and the Lions. I, I did not have time to talk about the Vikings. Uh, I don't know what to think of the Vikings. They played so many close games last year. A winning team, go to the playoff. Kirk Cousins never gets the love. Your former Michigan Stater there, uh, Jimmy. Uh, they have rumors of possibility of trading Dalvin Cook. Uh, I'm not quite sure what to think of the Vikings right now in a wide-open division. Where do you think they're going in this draft? They're, they're yeah, down the line think- a little bit in round one. Yeah, well, certainly, you know, they, they're going to need a receiver. They lost Thielen. Um, I got to believe their defense was terrible last year. So they're going in a different direction there with Brian Flores and what they're going to do uh, defensively. You know, and they got to find a quarterback. They, they, you know, Mensa, their their general manager, really made no bones about it. I mean, Kirk Cousins went to them to restructure his deal to get another year. And they're like, no, we're good. We're good. So they're getting a, they're getting a quarterback at some point, whether it's Hendon Hooker or whether they make the trade with the 49ers to get Trey Lance, or even if it's a later quarterback in the draft, say Clayton Toon. I like uh, Clayton Toon. I think he's he's got really good numbers. And, boy, I didn't like him in Mobile. But, boy, when I turned on the tape, that quarterback can play. All right, Tom, here we go. We got three minutes, two minutes in the show. So. Uh, what you need, what you want, what you got to have. It doesn't have to be a specific player, but whatever you want to throw on the table. Um, for my need, I want a right or left tackle, but I want a dominator. I want a day one starter. What do I want? Jalen Carter, the defensive lineman. <laughs> and what would I need? I would not need a safety like Antonio Johnson out of Texas A&M, 6'1", 200 pounds, that can maybe uh, you know catch fire uh, with Jaquan Brisker. Jim. I agree with Tom. I want a tackle who's a day one starter and plays for a long time. I want a penetrator, defensive tackle, whether that's Jalen Carter, whether that's Kalijah Kansi, whether that's double A at the Tommy Wild out of uh, Northwestern. I want a penetrator there, and I want an edge rusher. An edge rusher, and then later in the draft, I think you can get a quality corner. I'm with Tom. They need a corner. They can kick Kyler Gordon then into nickelback and have a two – you know, pillars on the outside of what they need. I think if they go come out with those things, they'll be, they'll be sitting pretty at the end of the day. And then they're all going to play and they're all going to develop and they're going to get better just like last year. All right. I need that. Uh, I need speed. I need speed. I need, need, need functional speed, not just track speed, threatening speed that makes teams get on their heels a little bit. I want attitude and tone setters. Whether that term alpha wants to sneak into the conversation, I don't know. I want guys that are going to shoulder the load, set the tone with the mix they added last year and move forward in the future. And I got to have a pocket wrecker and a tackle. So those are the two things. That's I a bunch of hyperbole. Hyperbole? I got to have a pocket name, wrecker. I want to names, facts, and figures. <laughs> We're out of time. We'll oh. talk about it tomorrow on Watto and Sylvia at Soldier Field. Thank you, as always, to everybody for listening tonight. Jim, have fun in Casey, buddy. All right, sounds good. For Tom Thayer, Jim Miller, I'm Jeff Joniak. Thanks to Charlie Bevins, Nick Magzala. Uh, we got Jordan Treadup and Dan Barilli, of course, Bears Radio Network producer Eric Ostrowski, Tyler Aki coming up next. This has been Bears Weekly on ESPN Chicago, AM 1000, and the Chicago Bears Radio Network. Good night, everybody. You are tuned in to Weekly with